You're listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, where it's all about helping you grow your Denver real estate portfolio. Here's your host, Chris Lopez. Hey, everyone. So we are coming to you live after our very first Ride Along Show episode appeared on Bigger Pockets last Wednesday. So that was a six-student apartment building that Terrence bought last year, redeveloped it, and then turned around and flipped it. It's under contract now and about to close like a week or two, right? Should close this week. Yeah. Most likely, yeah. Since we forgot to mention, Terrence is obviously here with me as well. That's right. Um, and then our guest from the show. It's me, yes. Athena Brownson. Should we make you knock on the door and come in again? <laughs> yeah, we should, definitely. I think it loses its... Awkwardly. Uh, yeah. I don't think it works very well on, on Facebook Live and podcast. Uh, but no, Athena, thank you for coming in. We wanted you to stop by, uh, ask questions, join us here. We talked about it. Because a, a lot of things have happened because we actually recorded that show in December, I think with the original goal of it coming out, you know, <laughs> quarter one of that year. And then we all got a little busy with producing it. We had some learning curves there and then, you know, damn COVID-19 hit. And, and just, then life <laughs> happened. Yeah. <laughs> and then 2020 hit real yeah. hard. <laughs> and now it's True. almost 2021. Um, True. Halfway there, yeah. So I thought we'd come here, do some questions here. Um, so Terrence, let's start off with, because we recorded this in December, like a Couple weeks after you took it down, it was yeah. freezing. It was really cold. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was there was trash everywhere. Pretty weather that yeah. day, but now it's under contract and closing in a week or two. Should be closing this week. Yeah, we're through all inspection, all due diligence, and uh, they've got their financing in order. Yeah, so it all worked out. I, I think uh, one of the biggest challenges was obviously leasing it up. Mm-hmm. We finished construction, I think, early March, had it staged and pictures, and then showings were set to happen the third week of March. And then uh, the world shut down. So we had to do a lot of virtual showings and a lot of things online. And our property manager, we were able to get it leased up in probably five or six weeks. And I think in a normal world, it probably would have leased up in the first weekend. So that was uh, that was really interesting. But Athena, I know you've been doing a lot of virtual showings and have had to pivot in a lot of ways your business. Oh, so absolutely. Wanna, yeah, why don't you talk a little bit about how it's changed your business? Yeah. And first of all, congratulations on closing this week. That's so exciting. Glad to hear yeah. that you were able to lease it um, through a really challenging time. But I think through this challenging time, holy cow, could we be any more grateful for technology? Okay. Um, I couldn't imagine trying to navigate the world of real estate investing um, both residential, rentals, commercial, without all of the uh, innovations that we have today. I've been insanely grateful for not only, you know, virtual open houses and 3D Matterport tours that allow buyers to walk through properties pretty much from their phone and computer, um, using Zoom for all of our conferences, buyer and seller consults. Um, so obviously just really, really pivoting quickly right. and using this as an opportunity to, instead of kind of shy away and freak out, um, really use that as an opportunity to thrive and to step up and to really be able to serve our consumers to the best of our abilities because people need shelter. You look at yeah. what the basic necessities of life are and shelter, food, water, shelter, that's Absolutely. one of them. So to be able to still accommodate our consumers, our buyers, sellers, renters, um, virtually is a huge blessing. So I've, I've been really grateful. Yeah, it's one of the things I think that really stood out to me was, you know, on social media, how active you were all the way through the pandemic was just posting, being, uh, I think, really outspoken about still doing business, still holding virtual showings, still listing properties. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was pretty impressive. And, you yeah. know, I think you use it as a way to stand out from other 
brokers and realtors that maybe were not as active during that time. Yeah. And obviously health and safety is always our number one priority. I'm personally immune compromised. So I take this as, you know, very, I do not take this lightly. I think making sure that everyone is, is safe as number one, um, but Mm -hmm. also using, not using it as an excuse to just kind of sit back, but say, Hey, how can we um, help people and be there for people through this? Because when you look at what home is, um, a home is, is a person's safety net. It's their shelter. It's their security. So making sure that, yes, we're continuing on business and, you know, being active in the real estate market, like you said, um, which I was very much and will continue to do so, but, you know, being safe as we're doing that. So it's, uh, it's been a learning curve and, you know, it will continue to be so. It's going to be yeah. interesting to see how the next six months goes, but... Yeah, it's definitely not going away anytime soon. No. So so I'm kind of curious since yeah. I know this is probably horrible time you've mentioned the beginning, but like, Give me like follow-up questions on the property we walked or thoughts about. Yeah, I do. So I'm so, you know, we talked a lot about um, because of my background in in interior design, what the ideal floor plan would be. So we talked a lot about in the episode um, what what your tenants would be looking for. So how did the units come out? Um, What, you know, what features were your favorite that you think made them the most rentable? Yeah. Great question. What's surprisingly the three bedroom units? Mm-hmm. It is a great question. Yeah, I'm the really people curious. People on YouTube were yeah. knocking me because I asked. I said that too many times, but oh, that's a good yeah. question. <laughs> the layout. Uh, it is I'll have to come question. out with a new tagline. <laughs> back to your question. Back. back to your very intriguing question, mm-hmm. Athena. Intriguing. It was very intriguing, okay. thought provoking. Yeah. Um, we added uh, we added two three bedroom units. So there were mm-hmm. storage units uh, previously from the previous buyer, and all we did was add a door a larger door, okay. a closet, and that was it Okay. to make it a conforming bedroom. Yeah. And what we found was that at that price point, and I believe we rented those That's for 1595 at okay. 1595 plus rubs, it was overwhelming. I mean, I think those two, three bedrooms rented the first weekend okay. in the first like seven days. So that, that three the bedroom went. floor plan really was the... And I think that when we did like rental studies, we actually could have charged a little bit more, obviously, since it went so fast. But, you know, people that are looking for three bedroom apartments are just rare. Most of them are two bedroom or one bedroom or studios in Denver, especially that part of Denver. And so then they're forced to look at either a duplex, a townhome or a home. And those rent, there's nothing. And those rates go over $2,000. So for something that was brand new, that had, you know, brand new heat and AC. um, And then with the bedroom count that they needed, I thought that was pretty interesting. And that was something that we learned that there is a need for three bedroom apartments that are affordable. And we say affordable, basically 500 to $600 under what a class A three bedroom rents for, which is over $3,000. So affordable under $2,000 was huge. And obviously we saw that was a big response uh, from the market. So an interesting thing, because, you know, I, you know, we don't buy any class A stuff as invest our investors. So, you know, all the new right. class A stuff going downtown, that's too expensive for us. Cap rates are too low. Yeah. Right. We always buy in the B, C grade stuff, which is you right. know, good cash flow. Mm-hmm. I was talking to a property manager a couple of weeks ago, just getting updates on how their rents were doing. I'm so curious. Uh, well, everyone's yeah. bad. I talked to five. Everyone's basically at like 95% or greater total rents collected yeah. for June. But one of the property managers, he has, like just under a thousand properties under his or doors under his portfolio. Mm-hmm. And he said it was something like out of the 12 properties they have vacant, you know, for more than like two weeks, whatever like their mark is. Yeah. Um, 10 of them 
were class A condos downtown. He goes, we the, he goes, the only stuff we're seeing change right now is that class A stuff is not renting. And these are like the ones that the price points, right? The price point, yeah. and then I know it's the, probably the price point, and then people don't want to live don't downtown. Live in like a twelfth story building on because a condo during a pandemic. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, so it's interesting. Like yeah. that, the class A is just you know having a hard time. I mean, now. you think that right now with all the volatility and uncertainty in the market, just across mm-hmm. industries, that people don't want to spend extra on a newer building. They're mm-hmm. very price sensitive. I think right now. So I'm curious though, because I did just read um, recently that we're, you know, Colorado in particular is getting an influx of um, both buyers and renters coming from a lot of the bigger cities. And I think that's because people have been cooped up. So, you know, those class A properties in Denver, although they are, you know, majority are still downtown. I think we are, I'm curious to see if there's going to be an influx in in the rentership that goes with that, because those class A properties that we consider high rent in Denver, you look at New York City and that's, not even, you know, yeah. that it's basically free rent. That's cheap, yeah. So I'm really curious to see point. if that evolves because our it, we're getting a ton of out-of-state buyers moving yeah. to Colorado. Yeah. So a lot of renters too. Another property manager, she does a lot of stuff like Highlands Ranch, loads and like single mm-hmm. family stuff. Oh, she yeah. said she runs a four New York families in like two weeks, and she's mm-hmm. like, yeah. "Do you guys know each other?" She's they're all like, "Nope." It was just they were all yeah. exiting New York for. Oh, and Exodus. Yeah, I think honestly, as an investor, um, maybe we should all chat, but it, it's probably a great time for us to pick up some of the, you know, maybe some of the properties that would be a little bit to more. To go to New York and start buying now? No. Oh. Well, to go into <laughs> Okay. <laughs> if you're down, I'm down. <laughs> no, I was going to say, you know, you're looking at, <laughs> looking at some of the Class A properties not, that aren't necessarily in the city. Oh, yeah. Um, because... That's, yeah. you know, that higher price point might be something that we see going more demand, faster. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So let's jump into some questions here. I just uh, got yeah, some questions freedom. emailed, got some YouTube questions. Um, so this is actually going for both of you. I forgot about your uh, interior design background, Athena. So someone on YouTube asked, I wonder if open shelves in the kitchen will go out of style. And he's talking about, I don't know if you've seen yeah. the final photos, but like rather than doing uh, full mm-hmm. cabinets on the uppers, you did like open shelving. I, he says, continue. I tend to remodel more timeless because I hate remodeling once and done. And I have no, it comes to remodel, I have, I'm clueless. So. Yeah. yeah. I actually just uh, remodeled a kitchen and we did a mixture of um, having some of the closed doors and the shelving. I think the shelving um, personally is timeless, but realistically, you have to be a pretty neat person right. to utilize that and make it look okay. But so, what kitchen did you redesign? Like it was like, a pretty a pretty high end, yeah. Yeah, and this mm-hmm. is so just put on spectrum. That's very different for like yeah. someone's, I'll say, million dollar custom home versus someone renting an apartment. Two or three bedroom apartment. Yeah. yeah, it all started because we were trying to. We saw how much money we're spending on cabinets on an so annual expensive. basis when we were yeah turning a hundred to hundred fifty apartment units a year. It was like man, we could save literally 600 depending on the size of the kitchen 600 mm-hmm. to a thousand dollars a kitchen by not doing upper cabinets every every box is between 150 to 250 dollars yeah so that was kind of where it started and then as we started to try and do more things like an urban core denver neighborhoods we thought that it was kind of a good industrial look yeah uh with the black shelving and to go along with uh black you know kitchen fixtures mm-hmm. i could see how someday it might be out of style but by then I'm sure we'll be redoing a lot more than just the kitchen shelving. Agreed. So yeah, no, I think it's it's a timeless appeal as opposed to doing something that's 
you know, really, really stands out and showy. And it is a great way as an investor to save money. I mean, you're not hurting your consumer at all. You're you're saving some money in the long run and you're, you know, you could do something that looks really modern and appealing. You just have to keep it organized if you're the tenant. That's right. That is a really (laughs) good point. And I like the idea of blending it. So we have tried to do like one cabinet or two cabinets on each side of the range or the, or the vent. And then, uh, or the range hood mm-hmm. and then shelves in the corners and across the above the sink if you have to. I think that's a perfect design. But we've actually had good feedback so far. I think that uh I think the key is the presentation. You know, mm-hmm. I think if it looks clean and new, I think people have liked it and we've saved money. So if we can deliver a product that still is functional and we save money and it looks good, I think that's kind of the trifecta. But that's the goal. Yeah. You did it. They did and yeah, we did lease question, them up. So check. Yeah, check. Oh, I, I replied that was a great question on the YouTube. <laughs> you <laughs> would. Right. Well, I mean, it's YouTube. You gotta, you gotta go in there. No, and, I appreciate uh, the comments and the yeah. questions, guys. What else uh, they got, Chris? Yeah, uh, bring it. So this is from Alan. So he says, "Hey, I'm an HVAC contractor here. Have you guys thought about VRF for air conditioning? If you want to keep boilers, they are highly efficient depending on the region of the buildings, but they're quiet and zoned for each unit also." VR, so Victor, uh, R, Romeo, F, Frank. I don't know what that is. Alan, we're going to have to have Alan on the show to ask yeah. him to give us. I think us, that it's a. Um, does it go attaches to the boiler? Uh, I think or it's like unit? an on. It's It hooks up electrically, I think, to the wall. Hmm. Um, and you just have them. They're really common in other countries. Really? You just put one in a house in Breckenridge. Or I could be totally wrong, <laughs> so but I think I'm right. <laughs> Google says they stand for variable refrigerant refrigerant volume. Is it like a little white Does unit? It a picture. Uh, yeah, if it's a white unit, it's a mini split. But those would be those are for like 400 to 600. So it does foot. look like a mini split. We got the wall yeah. unit, mm. but oh. it shows like but it attaches to the boiler. I don't. Mm. Yeah, I mean, look, look, I, we went we'll with. Have uh, have I, read, we, I have no yeah. idea what that. We was. went yeah. with window units, and the units have been chilly through the summer, and tenants are happy. And they they were brand new. Yeah, we did window. Yeah, they went into the no, not window unit. They went into the wall. They're, they they okay. they had the wall mounted where it had the but opening. like the window units that you cut out into the yeah. wall. It was cut out into the wall. Yeah, but the window. That's great. Yeah. What you just said is what we put in. They're the window size, but they mm-hmm. were cut out into the wall. I think as long and as and it was already ran for electrical, so we just inserted them and that's perfect. Plugged it in. Yeah, especially now that we're getting such it's getting hot already. <laughs> I really can't stand. It's one of my pet peeves with apartment buildings. I can't stand the way window units look. It has to have the cutout. And if it doesn't, yeah. then we would just cut out a section underneath the window to put them in. I appreciate window to, units that you just don't, to hear yeah. that because yeah. I hate, I mean, I'll be showing eight, $900,000 properties. With window units? With window units that really? don't that's, even have. I'm not so kidding. Like Wash Park yeah. yesterday. I was like. And they're not well, just because they have the old, off. they haven't done the new ducting yet. So it's just a boiler system. They yeah. haven't updated the HVAC. Yeah, yeah. but there's a way to of do it. doing right. a unit. You just cut out the brick under, yeah. You know. Anyway. I think it's just like, yeah, for me, I don't want to, I think it looks really tacky. Exactly. So I choose to not do that. Thank you. So uh, Luis says, you guys in the video mentioned that cap rates in Denver will possibly compress in a few years down to under 5%. How do you think COVID changes that? So I replied on there, but I'm curious what you guys think because I'm I've got a very strong opinion on this one. That's Ooh. interesting. Well, cap rates have already been five. We sold a couple buildings in 2019 under five. Current uh, that was 2019. So I think pre, like, pre- I pre- like the median, the median, cap rate yeah, really mm-hmm. pushing down. Yeah, it just feels like 
as Denver becomes more, more of an attractive place for out-of-state investors, like we just talked about, people coming from New York, LA, Chicago, or even out of the con- other countries, I think mm-hmm. last year there was something like several, maybe like over $100 million in multifamily traded to out to international buyers. Really? Yeah, I think Marcus Milichap put out a study on that. But um, mm-hmm. so there's so as more, I think, attention comes to the Denver market in all phases, I think residential, commercial, um, specifically multifamily. I just think because of migration, a lot of people want to live in Denver. There's a housing shortage. So naturally, people are going to be able to push rents, supply and demand. Mm-hmm. And as rent prices increase and as uh, there seems to be more demand from other states, I think cap rates can only get compressed. All right. So panelist number one says, yes, it will compress. Yes, it will. Panelist compress. number two. I agree with Terrence. I honestly do. I, I think that as we're going to be, you know, and then you look at, but then you look at the affordability index. We look at the jobs coming into Denver. Yeah. I think uh, cap rates will compress definitely, but do I think it's going to be drastic? No, I think Denver's just Denver is a desirable place right. to live, to invest. And we've got such, we've got great jobs and afford the affordability index is on point. So what do you, what's your strong opinion? I think it'll be incremental, sir? but it yeah. is going to compress. Oh, yes. Yeah. It'll, be, it's it's slow, gonna, it's yeah. gonna be the curve where it slowly yeah. goes down. I agree exactly. with you guys. I mean, I was hoping for a feisty debate. I just here, don't, I mean, I, I'd love to debate. debate. I just don't think we can debate that. It's oh, we'll just such a, it's such um, a, it seems like a sure thing. I, I agree. And the other thing too, I mean, I'm, here's what I wrote. I said, uh, yeah, I mean, all the data I've seen since post-COVID, like, it's going to mm-hmm. still compress. Yeah. Number one, we still have cheap debt. Right. Cheap yeah. debt fuels lower cap rates because mm-hmm. you get that spread between interest rate and cap rates. Great. It's a five cap rate, but you're borrowing at three and a half percent. Get your spread there. Yeah. Um, and this is just from, like, me personally on the brokerage side. A lot of our multifamily owners we're selling to are Californians and New York investors that are selling in 1031 and bringing their money to Denver. Mm-hmm. And some of them just like it because of the, the metrics, but some are like, hey, and I'm the re- taxes. They're yeah. like, what? Well, plus <laughs> a lot of really, their kids yeah. live here, like yeah. their kids and their grandkids. Like, hey, I'm going to sell this, you know, three cap in California mm-hmm. and then, you know, buy a property. Then in five years, I'm about to retire and then build a portfolio. And that's the family business. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is just, we're in a housing and rental shortage. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we don't have enough of either one. So it'll Denver's so, never not going to be a desirable place to live. It'll be a long time, yeah. As long as there's Hopefully. mountains and yeah. places for people to go it's hang out and outdoors. And good job creation. Okay. Yeah, it just feels like there there is going to only be more of a housing shortage because I was reading another report. I forget who put this out. I don't know if it was Barron's or Forbes, but they were saying that construction for multifamily in Denver and the West Coast has been on pause because of COVID. Oh, yeah. Like there, there is not there. The number Permitting. of permits that are getting applied for In is way markets? down. It was, you I think it was West the West. Coast? It was like Denver, LA. Yeah, they they okay. pulled like the largest ones on the West Coast, but Denver was one of them, and it's down like twenty percent, I think. So companies that had raised money for projects are putting a stop to it because they're, I think, of the uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Just, I think they just want to see what happens with COVID and if there's any trends. Yeah. Because there was a school of thought that people would go be like fleeing multifamily and going to be single family tenants, which we haven't seen. I but there was that school of thought. I think a few of those people for right. sure, but nothing significant to move the needle. I agree. Um, and plus in a year or two, as this eventually fades in a way, people will move back right. to being normal-ish. All right, so here's another HVAC thing. And this is going to be technical, <laughs> but so Glenn says- I love all the HVAC people on YouTube. He's a mechanical contract with 35 right. years experience. Bad idea on heating as the best way is to go with forced air with air conditioning. It keeps the hot water boiler and install separate water to heat pumps and use the boiler to temper water control and run the heat pumps. 
I'm not even, I can't even read that. He's wrote in shorthand for face or YouTube. I don't know enough. How to I appreciate his passion and vigor yeah. uh, for his craft. The problem was we purchased the building and it already had a new boiler. So naturally we're not going to spend well, there we go. additional money to change it to forced heat. For my primary residence, I prefer forced heat. For apartments, you know, boiler is just so much cheaper and, they last and it's more efficient yeah. and it lasts forever. So it's hard to go years. against that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They can run forever. Yeah. yeah. So I forgot. So that was a brand new boiler. That was a brand new boiler. Sorry, Glenn. Um, thank you for your input. Thank you for your involvement in the conversation. Yeah. So Tom said tenants should pay for electricity and heating they use, not the landlords. If the landlords pay, then the tenants do not care about saving. If the tenants pay, they care what they use and they will not waste it. So I agree with that thought <laughs> process, except it, it kind of matters how, meter, the how are you going to meter it. Right. Yeah. And this was metered. It's separate electric <laughs> and one gas and one water, gas right? And, that's right. Yeah. And trash. Yeah. Yep. So let's talk about that because I, I mean, so basically, that's pretty common here in Denver is to have separate electric mm -hmm. for all the units. That's right. Gas is, oh, I mean, some are separate. Split. We've had it split. It depends on the part of the city and when it was built. Just because mm -hmm. of when this property was built, I believe in the 60s, they weren't doing separate gas meters. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like, I can't think of like one with like a single gas meter or separate or individual if one's more common than the other. Have you... I think it's about split. I would say about 50-50. The stuff we've done in the suburbs, like I think about Littleton, Lakewood, Aurora has had separate gas meters and electric, like really? think about Bannock and Ken Yeah. And then seems like central Denver, more 60s and older is a uh, single, single okay. gas. Yeah. And that's why, you know, uh, Tom, what we do there is just, yeah, I mean, in this case, I agree with you, but the building's already wired that way for the, you know, 30 grand or 50 grand or whatever it's insane amount of cost. It's not worth it. Yeah. That's why... We build rubs, which is we don't do a direct, you know, estimated utility bill back. The leases are written there. Hey, if you use way more than we expect it, the landlord reserves the right to increase, increase it. Right. But usually, like, they're with a few bucks and they're good enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's a good question, though. It's a great bumps. question. Hold on, bumps. That's right. <laughs> All right. So Zev says the expenses on this deal seem understated. And I believe uh, Zev is referring to the rehab cost. A property that old, there's no way it only requires kitchen and a bathroom model. You're guaranteed to have mold and damp issues, pest control issues, it's not outright damage, roofing and ceiling issues, plumbing issues, flooring issues. What's the point of new kitchens? If you don't do anything else? That sounds like you're, you're not doing your due diligence <laughs> if you're. <laughs> No, he's, did a, he's right. We redid the whole thing. Yeah. We, did, we redid everything. I that's just correct. Don't, and that's yeah. something we couldn't show in the video was like all the other. We stuff. didn't have to but rewire the electrical. You were yeah, into. we knew going into it. Yeah, we didn't have to rewire the electrical, but we did have to run all new plumbing for the kitchens and bathrooms. We did all new floor, and we actually had to level some of the floors. I think there was some settling on the first and the third floor. Always, always, especially on that was on, on a slope. Mm -hmm. So yeah, he's right. We did have to do everything, and we ended up spending I think close to one hundred eighty thousand dollars to do everything. Is that so what you think right around? Yeah, it was right home? around. Yeah. yeah. But these are items that. that when you're going in before you're purchasing we knew a property, yeah. you're during due diligence. Before you're acquiring it. Yeah, you're doing yes. your due diligence yeah. knowing it's just something that didn't, you know, we didn't line item out in the show. Yeah, yeah. Which no, would be an interesting sequel. Maybe the next time we go into the nitty gritty of what the due diligence is. A full budget, yeah, yeah a full, a budget. full budget. We did the, we did put that on the financials, though. We, we showed that we put the, the rough budget, number, the rough number, but, but not the breakdown. Of the yeah. breakdown, so yeah. maybe we start doing that. But that's also just part of the problem with you know we, you know, we're out there recording for two hours, but it's cut down to fifteen minutes, and that's right. you know, a lot of stuff gets left out. All right, so Let here, us know what you want to there see was no uh, pest control though. 
Yeah, we don't have termites. We don't have, I mean, mold's pretty rare around here, too. You'd be surprised. I keep, but nothing like Florida and South Carolina. Like, if there's active leaks or stuff, definitely. But I mean, like, in other parts of the state, there's termites everywhere and mold everywhere. It helped us that the units were vacant because there was no running water and there wasn't food for there to be roaches or bed bugs or anything that, yeah, yeah, like that. So, all right. Um, Here's kind of like a, this will be an interesting question. Maybe in 10 years, this video will be relevant. Real estate investors are going to be put through hell on earth for probably the next five years and five years to recover. Else, we will hyperinflate, then owning real estate would be essential to maintain your net worth. What was the question? That was a strong statement. <laughs> I know. I didn't so sense the question. I'll read it again. So uh, maybe in 10 I'm years, like this video will be relevant. This right here. Well, we're going to answer that. Um. Real estate investor may put through hell on earth for probably the next five years and five years to recover. Unless we hyperinflate with the Fed pumping money in the system, then owning real estate will be essential to maintain your net worth. So very, I mean, extremes, they're like, hey, we're going to live through the dumps right. or it's going to be the best investment ever because we're going to hyperinflate. Mm. I think we'll be in in a lot more in the middle on both of those, but you're pointing something in the wall, Tina, that no one can I mean, see okay, so w- something that I w- am forever grateful for is my background with your castle and Lon Welsh's data that he puts out on the Denver market in particular. So you look at, we have 30 years worth of data. Of course, we've never experienced a global pandemic, but we've had large, you know, real estate crises. And you'd look at Denver compared with the rest of the country. And you look at the like annual depreciation during those years. Right. And like our, we are not, we are not going to go through hell on earth because of the desirability, the jobs, the um, amount of people that want to be in Colorado. So I don't see it being like the, I don't, we don't have the extremes that the rest of the country has. And I think it depends on the market. Like, I mean, some markets, I mean, they're, 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 the populations are decreasing. Jobs are decreasing. Big time. Um, But that's not, I mean, the pandemic, I think will probably maybe accelerate some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. But I agree with you in Denver. I mean, I mean, we'll have our bumps along the way. You might be unfortunate tenant that trashes a place or doesn't pay rent for five months. But overall, like, I don't think we'll be through hell. Yeah, and hyperinflation is a pretty severe, you know, reaction. But I do agree that there could be inflation due to the what the Fed has done with the PPP and with mm-hmm. um, unemployment and how they have pumped a lot of money into the system to kind of to keep money oh, flowing. Sorry. So yeah, so the GDP doesn't just fall off a cliff. No. But I don't know about hyperinflation because then the Fed would just raise interest rates. I mean, if the economy gets too hot, then they'll just raise interest rates to cool it off. And that's why we have a Federal Reserve to, to uh, try, and, try and balance the yeah. yeah, keep things in check. And I am yeah. definitely not like an economics right. brain shell or anything. But I think since the U.S. dollar is the the world currency, basically, right. that's not going to hyperinflate. Yeah. Now, maybe in 50 years, 100 years when uh, Bitcoin takes over. I was going to say the Chinese, yeah. but maybe Bitcoin. Robots. Bitcoin the Bitcoin yeah. and Chinese were the aliens. Right. I'm going to go um, the robots. The robots? Or aliens. Yeah. Bitcoin's making a strong push recently. I think that they might be in the lead. But anyways. Really? Okay. Uh, That'll be another topic. I know. We just hit 10,000, Chris. <laughs> I just downloaded Bigger Pockets. Just kidding. She's on. Yeah. Um, she's I am finally on. Because at the so. end of the video, we, we, mm-hmm. we did give you a little bit of grief about that. You should have. Uh, and now I'm a pro. I actually got. Um, did you yesterday. pay for the pro? Or are you just a pro of navigating? 
Well, why you got to call me out on <laughs> Facebook Live, Terrence? Well, you said you were a pro. I didn't know. If- I meant a pro at life, uh, uh, but now I'm going to have to go be a pro in bigger pockets. But I did membership. have an investor say to my biz- one of my business partners, I just was on bigger pockets and I saw Athena's nice. episode. I was like, whoa. So shout out bigger pockets. Now I'm going to be a pro. I have to go upgrade my membership. You should too, everyone. We just use peer pressure to get her <laughs> to upgrade her membership. For, thanks for <laughs> peer pressuring me. <laughs> um, okay, so here's a just a general investing question from Noah. Noah says, hey, I'm 18. I'm trying to convince my dad to help me get started. I have the knowledge, I think, and I just need the, I just need his help with the finances. He doesn't trust the market, especially with the events of 2020. Hopefully, I'll be able to get something soon and show them it works. Right now, I'm looking at a $50,000 property that needs to be fixed up. Um, Where? Fixed up really well. Not in Denver. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then turn Kansas. the garage into an efficiency living space, create more value and income for a better appraisal. So aside from, like, start here. So aside from cool. the $50,000 property, um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Uh, what do you guys say, say to Noah for his advice? I mean, I love it. He's looking for is it a house hack or his first investment property? The last one I asked in the comments, yeah. I said, dude, house hack number one. That's right. the, I, my first thing is you're 18, you're tight on money, which is what most 18 years right. house hack it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. My yeah. advice, I mean, my sister just moved back to Des Moines from LA because it was so expensive and she really wanted to get into real estate and partic- specifically home ownership. And that's been my advice to her is buy a house either with an ADU, a separate basement, or with enough bedrooms, you can rent them out separately and still not be uncomfortable. You yeah, know, she's, you know, in her late twenties or whatever. I don't even I know her exact age, but the point is, in her phase of life, she doesn't want to have a bunch of roommates. And so, mm-hmm. can you have enough bedrooms to still live a comfortable life? Rent out a couple of bedrooms or have a separate AU yeah. to create enough income to where they're paying down your mortgage, and it's a great first-time investment. And then in two years, you can sell that tax-free and go and go buy something else, or you can just. Uh, keep refi- exact rental. keep as a rental. That's mm-hmm. right. That's yeah. what I did. Honestly, uh, my first property, I think I was, I was a little bit older than Noah, but you know, I, I convinced my dad very grudgingly over a long, it took me a long time, but it was, look, trust me, right. like we're going to buy this property. I'm going to have two roommates. They're going to pay the mortgage off. I'll fix the house up slowly. It needed some love, but we, we fixed it up. I had two roommates paying my mortgage and we sold it two and a half years later and I've had a big profit. And I was able to roll part of that profit into, um, a sing- another property to do the same and then a rental property. So nice. it's, it's an incredible way to start your real estate portfolio. It'll teach you a lot if you're living in it. Right. I think that's the key is like, if, if you're moving in, you're going to be learning oh, yeah. through the, through the process and that's invaluable knowledge. That's right. Yeah. No, and it's so, it's such a low risk way because you already have to either pay rent or a mortgage yeah. anyway. So why not invest in yourself, create some, an opportunity to create income yeah. by having roommates and don't uh, pay someone else's mortgage, pay right. your own. Yeah. Especially like, I mean, if you're in a position like, uh, you know, some people are, Hey, you can borrow money from your parents or family. Yeah. Right. Cool. I mean, if they were going to look at like the bank, if I'm borrowing for you, Terrence, to go buy a $50,000 property in Kansas and you live in Denver or Athena, mm-hmm. you're looking to buy a property that you're going to live in, you're a lot less risky than yeah. you are, Terrence, because you're going to live there and that's just a lot less things to screw up. And I'm just a less of a liability in general than you. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> 
That's debatable. Just um, kidding. No, what's interesting is I think the government for first-time home buyers, and I'm not sure if there's an age restriction, but there's a lot of programs that no could look into for first-time home buyer, and that would have qualified uh, even four unit or less, right? So you could buy a home, a duplex, triplex, or a fourplex, and get I think as much as 98 or 97 percent of it financed. Uh, through the government? Yeah, I know, especially a lot of times like states, or at least in Colorado or similar states, you know, a lot of times states have like lower programs to like, I forget what they are here in Denver because we can't really use them because they're really right. hard to make work mm-hmm. in the seller's market. Like the Metro down payment assist- assistance program. There's a lot of programs, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you can put like a couple thousand dollars down and buy right. a single family. Yeah. I think there's even a program where the government will cover your down payment. Yeah. yeah. Down mm-hmm. payment assistance program. Yeah, Definitely. so Noah. It's just a quali- yeah, a matter yeah. of qualifications and I love the uh, I love the the vision from Noah, and I think he should pursue that. And uh, yeah, I think he could. Who would you recommend him talking to? Either someone that knows the loan, the a government lender. loan, yeah, the, a lender, a, a local really lender there, or a really lender. knowledgeable uh, real estate agent that can connect him. Yeah, financial advisor would be a good person too. Right, put together your team, Noah Young. Yeah, I think the best things in life come when things mm. when you're uncomfortable. So it's, yeah, that's yeah. a good point. All right, so Aaron. Uh, asked here a few days ago, what does your deal acquisition look like? I am always curious on how teams like yours are acquiring these value add properties. What was the initial question? How what does your I... deal acquisition look like? Deal acquisition. And so we'll be talking about multifamily because you know doing yeah. multifamily is very different than doing single family. But Terrence, I mean, I mean, this could be hundreds of hours of class right here. <laughs> but like, what's what's the punchline for finding deals like this? Finding deals. Well, it took a long time. I mean, I, the, the guys that brought me that deal, I first met in 2017. So we're talking so three, three years, years of a relationship mm-hmm. of getting coffees, having phone calls, touring properties. I mean, I think one of the things that I, I think the punchline is when brokers call you to say they have a deal, even if it's not a deal, it doesn't hurt to go and walk it with them yeah. and to do an underwrite with them. Every well, week I, I still do that. Yeah. Because it kind of create it. Uh, I think it, creates goodwill and it helps to educate, you know, kind of hone their, their brain to think like your brain of what you're looking for in a, in a property. So I'll go through it line by line and say, here are the things that don't work for this property. Here's what we're looking for. And the more conversations you have with brokers that are basically educating them on what a deal needs to look like for you, Mm -hmm. uh, you get closer and closer. And so it just took time and building relationships, patience, something that we continually pound on, on the show and, and everything that we do is just patience. Uh, I think building relationships and patience. I mean, Athena, what do you, I mean, when, when people come to you, right, flippers and they're saying, or investors and they say, yeah. Hey, I want this, I want this. I mean, what is it, how long does it normally take from the time you have your first conversation to getting a deal? I mean, yeah. it's not like you can snap your fingers and find someone a deal. No, not absolutely not. And you know, there will be the opportunity every once in a while where we're lucky and we find the the perfect property that fits that, that investor's box right. readily, but it can be, you know, six, you know, more in the residential sphere yeah. I speak from, um, you know, it can be anywhere from six months to over a year. But the key is, and something I love about working with you too, is just building relationship but also being very direct and understanding what your client's needs are. Like right. This is communicating exactly, I need A, B, C, and D for this to work. And that way, when I have that knowledge of what my client needs, every conversation I'm having with other agents, right. every network I'm connected with, I know exactly what they're looking for and I can bring them off market opportunities, which is pretty much, I, I assume, almost everything you get. 
That's a great point that you make is that you can't move the goalpost on the broker. You have to, I mean, how frustrating does it get for you if every time you talk to a client, they're changing their demands? Yeah. You you just give up, right? They get fired. They get fired. Exactly. Chris fires them in Athena. I don't know what, do you fire people? Chris gets Um, pretty harsh. I would love to hear you fire someone. Anyways. I I rarely fire someone, but. She keeps them in the pipeline. I'm getting, you know, I'll get there. Why? Well, I, I, I mean, I, what, I get your point there. Uh, you can't say, move yeah. yeah. I mean, I can't. Hey, I, I want, I want this property. Pro- like, people say, I want to buy a 7% cap rate property with property management in there. Yeah, that's a Pueblo. three bedroom. Mm-hmm. I'm like, cool, here it is. Oh, I want this. And I don't like it. Well, no, no. You told me you want this, this, yeah. and this. Well, and sometimes I could, yeah. it's, it's it's education. I'm good with that. But mm-hmm. when they knew the goal pulls five times, I'm like, oh, well, that's ridiculous. All right, dude. Like, Clearly, you're not a buyer. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Here you, I brought you five deals. There you go. Yeah. You don't all want to vote them in. But that's my point here. You perform. When people bring you deals, a lot of people say they can do it. Right. But yeah. you actually perform and you can perform quickly. That's mm-hmm. true. And that's a big difference here. So you spend a lot of time developing relationships and patience. But then you perform like, hey, I, I can raise this capital and I have these relationships with a banker. I have my GCI through two days walk the property. Like there's a lot of big moving parts when you want to take down a I'm missing a six unit multifamily, still a lot of moving parts. Whether it's a six unit or six unit, you're raising capital, you're getting GCs walking through, you got banking relationships, like it gets complicated and you have to perform on that stuff. Yeah. That's a good point. I think for investors that are starting out there and wanting to find this kind of deal in the future, I think one of the words to think about it would be empathy is you have to put yourself in the position of the person that you're talking to. Yeah. A lot of these people that are finding deals are on 100% commission. And so if you waste their time, they're not going to work hard to find you a deal. But no. if they see that you're actually going to perform and that you're serious, then they will, I think, hustle. and you can attest, yeah, hustle and move mountains. I will mountains. out there, be yeah, out there do, knocking on doors. That's right, yeah. And that's, how, and that's how a lot of people are if they if they have the confidence that someone's actually going to perform and do what they say. Yeah. And I think that has helped me a lot is just trying to put myself in the position of the person I'm talking to that I'm trying to motivate mm-hmm. and encourage to help me find a deal is giving them that confidence along the way that, Hey, if you find this, I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. You're not just wasting your time and spinning your wheels. Yeah. Cause there's nothing, there's no worse feeling than someone working hard, doing everything, jumping through all the hoops, meeting every single, you know, checking every box. And then you get to the closing table and they're, yeah. they're nowhere to be found yeah. or, you know, just to even sign the contract, sign the offer, which you know, happens, so, which all, happens the all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is one of the things that has helped us is that Reputation when people building. bring us, when people bring us those deals, you know, we're really quick to sign and to execute and to move forward. And, and I think that's helped us uh, create goodwill and, and just give brokers the confidence to go out there and find, just do good find business. the right deals. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. I say that because, you know, right. I'm, I'm on the, the transaction side right? and I, you know, I have my buyers, my clients that can move very quickly and the clients for, Hey, if they can't move quickly, I mean, speed matters in investing that's and right. speed really matters in the way the current Denver market. Oh my God. This is a great deal. <laughs> It's Someone's going to snatch, snatch up it. really right. quick. Yeah. yeah. Um, 100%. So here, here's a great, sorry, you guys done with that? I'm just. Yeah. I think we answered that thoroughly. Yeah. Um, so Jerome, because um, I saw a view of the, or a, I saw the video of the demoed unit. Was there an actual walkthrough of the finished unit? Did I miss it? So episode yes. two. <laughs> well, we did finish <laughs> a unit. It's leased up. It's not right. walking, but we should actually. Do some afters. Mm-hmm. We should at least post some photos and videos to the Bigger Pockets blog post. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. we can't update the YouTube oh, video. Yeah. Um, I have those on my phone. Yeah. So let's get yeah. those up there. So if we'll anyone's listening out there wants to see it, we can put the link on there. It's a great idea. Um, I'm sure Kelly uh, has some videos or walkthrough or you can yeah, we have it. Yeah, I have yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Let's post up there because that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Great idea. Great comment. Because we've seen it, but I forget. You know, you, it's Jerome. just right. Yeah, so, Jerome, great, great question. <laughs> Great. That was oh, a, yeah. that was not me. That uh, was a great point. It was, and a, it was a great idea. I can't wait to see them as well. Um, <laughs> all right. I'm you haven't seen them? The afters? No. Oh yeah. 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 Well, uh, check out the blog. I got them. I'm gonna go check out the blog post <laughs> after later you upgrade today. your account. Yeah. After yeah. Check out the blog post. It, it's for right. pro members only, right? Um, can't sit with this. <laughs> um. Let's see. A lot of I'm curious yeah. since the walkthroughs and since we've been having more conversations, mm -hmm. what, how is, has this changed how you look at properties or how you talk to clients or has it helped you with any conversation with clients having this kind of experience of being able to walk through an investment property, see how it works. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So as I said in December, you know, I'm, I'm starting to expand right. my client base to have more investors. Um, and I already had, you know, had an idea and a knowledge base. Because your dad's what, an investor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Of what what tenants are wanting, mm -hmm. um, what quality, but to have more of the understanding, and so that's something that Bigger Pockets has so many educational resources for, right. which has been a big asset to me. Um, is really understanding the numbers, understanding where where my clients should cut costs, where they shouldn't cut costs what their rents are going to be, what parts of town they they need to be in, yeah. where their dollar is going to go the furthest um, and be the smartest investment for them. Yeah. So absolutely. I think that's great just because you're going to meet so many people and you're, you know, you never know through compass and just through all mm -hmm. your relationships, how you're going to, you know, next time you're going to meet an out of state person that wants to buy single family homes or maybe buy duplexes and fourplexes. Oh, absolutely. And I think being able to be well-versed and you know what those terms mean and how to identify a deal and how to underwrite a property so i'm glad that that's been paying off for you yeah and that's great. thank you for being a great resource yeah. obviously always whenever i uh have something that i don't know my the best piece of advice i ever got was if you don't know ask right. <laughs> so if i if Very i don't know simple something, but profound i'm gonna be you know i call you i call my resources i say hey fill the me best in. advice in the world yeah, yeah like don't make something up I always tell them, I've always told my salespeople employees in the past, if you don't yeah. know something, don't make up stuff. No, don't, don't make it up. Just, say, just hey, say, hey, I'm not 100% sure. I know someone who will yeah. know, though. I'll get back to you later. Go yeah. That's, that's right. the best piece of advice. And I, I still say it all the time myself. I'm like, yes. Because people can, can tell when you're just making know. something up. Yeah. yeah. We can't Or you know just inadvertently just say something and then later you have to like walk it back or, or get know. sued. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So we got a, I'm looking at time. We've got a few minutes left. There was a question. Um, sorry, my computer just is it about my oh, vibrancy? Well, these are just YouTube kidding. questions, so I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so Dallas says, Hey, would you guys partner with a newbie, a new investor who is able to bring a one million dollar loan to the table? So I responded to him, What's your thoughts on a million dollar loan from a, a newbie? I'd, I'd need to know more details about the million kind of, dollars. Well, yeah, I need to know the terms. Is it 20%? Is it 2%? And, uh, you know, I need to know the terms in more detail. We probably would not uh, do a deal that large with someone that we didn't know. I'd probably want to build a relationship with them first, see I'll sell you what they're like and what they look for <laughs> and how they handle th when things don't go well. But uh, I think if he, you know, if someone that has a million dollars and is looking to lend it, I think that can be a really valuable way to get into some deals and I could either connect him with someone or, you know, we could build a relationship and down the road, you know, if it made sense, we could definitely work with it. But I think the key would be having more information, understanding more of what he's looking for from the capital and uh, just getting to know him, I think, a little bit more than 
Well, plus, is it? I mean, in my mind, it pops up. Is well, is he lending out the million dollars as like a private investor, yeah. or are you yeah. saying, "Hey, I can get a loan mm-hmm. that's still going to require you know, we, from a bank"? I was assuming he was like the private lender. That well, that's what I'm saying, like, yeah. and, and, and that's a, a big questions. difference <laughs> there. And I mean, in my experience, I mean, finding the money isn't really hard right now. It's finding the deal. The deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's true. kind of the current market, especially that's with true. rates so cheap. Like even during COVID, like. We're still finding lots of banks that want to lend, whether it's yeah. on big stuff like this or, or small stuff. Yeah, I think if he has capital and that's what he can bring to the table, then there's definitely people he could partner with. And I think that's a that's the right idea. That's the conversation. Yeah, and I think just being a little bit more clear with the terms and what he's looking for. And and uh, and I think if he's clear about it, I think you could definitely find a way to partner with someone that doesn't have the capital. Yeah. All right. Everyone's so somewhere. that's right. A couple other questions here. Uh, AJ says this is referring to the the second half video where we did the the financials where did the total equity of six hundred and eighty six thousand dollars come from um we don't have those slides pull up in front of us if i remember correctly the 686 came from the down payment which was roughly 20 to 25 percent and then appreciation so rent growth over the five years Mm -hmm. and then depreciation uh, uh, no, no, the uh, the debt tax, pay down. the debt pay down. Yeah. Oh, the debt pay down. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, there's so, a tax incentive there for the depreciation as well. I didn't. We didn't include that. No, we include that, but that's not going to build. That's that could build the equity side. He's talking about the the total equity, and I found the slide here. Okay. So here, when he says fifth year returns, we talked about hey, five years out. So when you sell it, and how like a turnkey mm-hmm. an investor would buy it. Oh yeah. Yes, yeah, so their cash flows would be around thirty thousand dollars in year five. They've made up close to one hundred fifty thousand cash flow from year to five total equity. Yeah, that's down payment. Plus appreciation. The no, not cash flow. This is oh. just equity in the property. So down payment plus appreciation plus debt pay down. Plus debt pay down. Yeah. So that's where that number came from. Okay. I'm like, yeah, looking at the slide. That's where that came from. Thanks for the slide. Well, you're that's welcome. That's a good question. I know. That's yeah. a at great the end of five question. years, where does that where does that money come from? Bam, right oh, there. Um all right. Well, Terrence, just so you know. Uh, how many people said that's a great question? Guys, How many people Terrence are trying to mock Terrence? Yeah. No say, one so should ever mock Terrence. We've been bashing that. Yeah. So, He's the best so someone said, you know, guys, this we, we, we have fixed it on YouTube, so we roll with it. But there are a lot of great comments. <laughs> I may go cry. And Terrence, I'll, I'll end one on this note. Um, from Pretty Boy 354. <laughs> Dude, I've been That's waiting for Pretty Boy to, to weigh in. <laughs> said, love, love this episode. Definitely learned a lot. From Terrence, he's a smart guy and knows his real estate. Keep up the great work. Aww, Boom, pretty boy. That's, true. Yes. that's what I'm talking that about. That was actually me. Yeah. So I think I think we end on that because I know we were having some fun. The great questions. <laughs> Been taking some heat. Uh, I needed a pat on the back. Uh, appreciate it. You're, boy. You're, you guys are the best. So yeah. you shouldn't take heat from nobody. It's YouTube. You got to. Yeah, it's true. He's got to roll to have fun. That's you funny. you know you're doing it right if you're getting heat on YouTube. That means they actually watched it. If yeah. someone. Says how many times I said a great question. That they're means they watched attention. the whole thing. Yeah. They paid attention. That's, that's great. great. Yeah. And plus, honestly, if that's the worst thing YouTube is saying about us, we did a really good job. What's Winning. a synonym for great? What's a synonym for great? I need another. Excellent. Excellent. That's an excellent question. Excellent question. Is that, is that the same great? Great? Excellent pregunta. Yeah, I could get Spanish. I could go Spanish on it. So here's my question. Six of these recorded and five and only one's been out. The great question is going to be a repeating thing. Yeah, because I think I was actually. Trying to reduce question. the number of times I said it on this one because the ones before I was saying it way more. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, How often do you guys film real estate right along now? Um, 
<laughs> to be determined with COVID. Yeah. So what we did, we recorded, you were in the first one and two. Mm-hmm. And then we recorded four, like the next, like two in January and two in February or so. Mm-hmm. So you were December, January, February, and then, you know, COVID hit. Yeah. And so once we uh, get some feedback from Bigger Pockets, all the things on YouTube, hopefully we can record our goals, record two a month. Two a month, yeah. That's cool. our goal. But that depends on COVID. Call me. Okay. Got upgrade to pro, though. Yeah, well. I'm pretty sure it's a requirement of Bigger Wait, Pockets. Wait, aren't yeah. you not on pro? I'm working on it. Didn't we just talk about I'm in the process not even of working on it? Ooh, Terrence is going to upgrade kickback. both of us to pro later. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Okay. Well, this was great questions on here. Terrence, thank you. Athena, thank you. This thank has been fun. You I and appreciate you as always. Nice work. Boom. You, are you the nailed best. it. You nailed it. All right, guys. So if you guys are listening and watching, check out the future iLog shows. We got six record right now. It's time we're doing this. We're releasing one every week. Until like mid-July in Bigger Pockets. Once that is over, we will record more, hopefully. Uh, if you guys so follow along, ask questions, give us feedback on the format, the content. We want to make the show about learning. Mm-hmm. As always, if you guys are interested in being a ride-along show, um, there, sh- there should be a link in the show notes on about a Bigger Pockets form that we have post there or email me. If you guys are interested in buying properties, I know we have a few people reach out wanting to buy this property off of here. Reach out to us. I mean, this one's gone, but there's always something else to be found. There's going to be many more. Yes. All right, guys. Thank you. Thank you.